Let's get into it then. All right. Awesome sauce. I ask that the gods and goddesses of our respective paths bless this circle so that we may be free and protected within this space. And if you have this one word, pagan or paganism. For the pagan community. Exactly. Right. The, the big umbrella. And that was fucking fantastic. Of the podcast ever. We're three pagans. Exactly. We're three pagans. And a cat. And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present and those listening. So mote it be. The circle is cast. Hail Dictinus. Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. With all these forks in the roads of our path, why do so many choose to take the knife? Welcome to Storytelling, Bad Behavior, the 144th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of poet Anthony Lucion. Thanks to Velocity Rose for our intro music. You can find more of their work at VelocityRose.com. You may call me Ode. You can call me Gar. I'm Ode's father. Very neat. My name is Gwyn Ode's mother. And I like that. If there are so many forks in the road, why mm-hmm. do so many people choose knives? Uh-huh. That's, a, that's a really good... Not that you can't stab someone with a fork if you're really dedicated to it. I think you pretty much want to, a lot of people. Well, not probably Scoom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's start with our housekeeping. So, Car, do we have any new patrons? Not that I know of. Okay. But we love all of our patrons, and we thank you for supporting us, and we love all our listeners, as always. You guys know this. And, just so that everybody knows, Mm -hmm. I am no longer a part of Three Pagans on Tap. Nothing bad, nothing like that. No, no drama. She's just got no time. I'm overwhelmed with everything that I have to do, and that was one thing I could let go. Mm -hmm. So Sarenth and Malik are going to continue doing that every other Tuesday. So not this Tuesday, but the next one. Mm -hmm. And hopefully they'll pick up another pagan. You know, my vote would be Finn. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So it can be all Odinson all the time. But I don't don't get a vote. Yeah, you're not on it anymore. (laughs) But that's just a suggestion. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. So, Gwen, talk about the things you do. Currently, I'm just writing very slowly. (laughs) Things have been put on hold a little bit because, Mm -hmm. uh, as people know, last week we had to cancel our recording because my mother was ill. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's still in the hospital. She has improved. Mm -hmm. But she is 88 years old. And there's only so much improvement it's, that can happen. It's hard to recover at this age. It's hard to, well, and it's hard to recover from what she had, which was bleeding on the brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, and a broken arm. And a broken arm. She managed, she, she had a pretty good fall. She did. Uh, I did get to speak to her today, which was awesome. And so, yeah, that's kind of what's been my uh, focus. focus. Yeah. But I am still writing the book, Green Earth Witchcraft. And uh, I'm still hoping to get it out by the fall. We'll see. I'm still writing for Papio's Pagan I've been a little slow there as well, but we'll get we'll get back on track. And then I don't do anything except this podcast. <laughs> That's not true. You now work at I work Valhalla. At, I work at Valhalla three days a week. So yeah. if you come out to Valhalla Tap Room in Kalamazoo on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, uh, you can see me there, and I can pour you a neat or a mixed drink or a mixed drink. We make good mixed drinks with me with me. Or come once a month, and I could read your tarot. Mm-hmm. Right. That's yep. also an option, which yep. we just did on just did that recently. Yep. Fridays, once a month. You can follow all that stuff on the Valhalla Facebook page. So I think that's it for housekeeping. So we've so. been house kept. And swept. There we go. And we may now begin writing. 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 You're going to write a story for us? <laughs> We're going to write a story, yeah. No. Okay. 
You know um, what? We can do that one time. We'll just have everybody put one yep. word in and one, we'll one, read it. Exactly. One time we'll write a story. But right yeah. now we are retelling. Retelling stories. Retelling stories from our uh, various mythologies. So, Gwen, how about you start us off? Well, I would the be sense happy you to have do two. that. I do have two. Yes, Gwen has two. Car and I each have one. Mine is very long. The first one I decided to do is actually from the Hebrew mythology, and it is Jonah and the Great Fish. Mm. Because if anything, in my view, illustrates bad behavior, <laughs> it's, it's Jonah. It's Jonah? It's Jonah. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. I reread this story today while I was taking notes, and I was like, dude. <laughs> Seriously. So the theme is bad behavior. Yes, the the theme is bad behavior. Yep. So, so in the Hebrew land, there was a prophet named Jonah. And one day, he got a command from, from God to go to Nineveh, which was the one of the major cities of the Assyrian Empire, and was known to be very, very wicked. And the Assyrians, they were they were very, very wicked people, and they were very violent and all these kinds of things. Because by, they worshipped Ishtar. I was going to say, by, by this, do we mean pagan? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just asking for a little clarification. But yes, there. they did uh, the main the main deity of, of Nineveh was well well of Nineveh, of Nineveh specifically was Ishtar. Okay. God commands Jonah mm-hmm. to go to Nineveh and tell them his message. Right. Right? Well, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. He got all... Jonah, you know, Jonah had business here. Jo- well, no, no, no. Jonah no. had business elsewhere. Yeah, no. Jonah was like, fuck this. I am not going to Nineveh. I don't like those people. So he got himself on a boat headed to Tarshish. The which opposite was in direction. the complete opposite direction. <laughs> oh, man. But on the sea, headed to Tarshish, all of a sudden this huge storm whips up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it is a horrible storm. And it's... The ship is it's in the same storm that sunk the Edmund Fitzgerald. <laughs> well, maybe a very, very dangerous storm, and their boat is getting knocked all over the place, and the sailors are panicking. They're like, "All right, who pissed off the gods?" Mm-hmm. And they're throwing shit overboard, and you know, to try to, to get rid of to balance you know, to balance the, things yeah. out, and uh, because they're fearing for their lives, and they, you know, first they're asking their gods, you know, right. what did we do? What help us? And then in the meantime, Jonah is asleep in the cargo hold. So finally, the Pitch captain... is sleeping through this whole storm? Pitch is sleeping through the storm. So finally, the captain goes down and goes, what is wrong with you? There's a huge storm outside. We are all going to drown. Get up here, pray to your God, and ask him to help us, because maybe he'll listen to you, because our gods are not listening to us. Who do you happen to worship? Is right. there somebody we haven't checked off the list yet? In the meantime, as the captain has gone to Jonah to try to rouse him and get him to help, the sailors have been casting lots to find out who it was who did offend the gods. And the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. And they look at him and they said, why did you, what did you do? Uh-huh. What did you and do? And why did you drag us into and it? why did you drag us into it? And so Jonah you know, he confessed. He said, I was supposed to go to Nineveh and I'm going the opposite direction. It is my fault. And what you need to do is throw me over the ship, over the side over, of the ship. Overboard. Overboard. And the soul, the sailors were not willing to do this. Mm-hmm. So they started rowing even harder. Right, throwing, like maybe we can reach land. You know, but it was to no avail because the storm just got worse and worse and worse. And so finally, 
they said, we are going to throw you overboard. But they cried out to Jonah's God and said, don't blame us for him dying. Right. Because he asked us to do this he because asked you're us, pissed off. Yes, he asked us to do this because he, you're angry with him. So please have mercy on us. We are innocent bystanders. And so they pick him up. They throw him over the side of the ship. Mm -hmm. And immediately the calm comes. The storm mm -hmm. is fine. And God sent a giant fish, apparently, to swallow Jonah. Mm -hmm. Right at, you know, as soon as he at, hits the at water. At which point, presumably the sailors were like, well. <laughs> yeah. So he, you know, and, and the, the seas were calm He's once dead. more. Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of this great fish. All of chapter two or three mm -hmm. is, it might be chapter two, is his prayer of repentance and asking for forgiveness and saying, whatever it is you would have me to do, I will do for you, O Lord. And finally, after the three days and the three nights are over, and he's finally repented of his bad behavior, mm -hmm. right, of ignoring God's command, mm -hmm. the fish spits him out on the shore, on right the beach. Nineveh. He can just go to Nineveh. So that's what he does, because he promised. So he walks his, his little self into Nineveh mm -hmm. and starts shouting, you have 40 days before this city is destroyed. Mm -hmm. 40 days before this city is destroyed. And the people are aghast. And they immediately respond by, you know, sackcloth and ashes and repentance. And mm -hmm. they take him seriously. They're like, well, we don't want to be destroyed. And so they're all in mourning for what's going to happen. And they're all sorry that they did something wrong that would cause their city to be destroyed. And the king finds out about this. And here's Jonah's message. And he steps off his throne, removes his, his robes, has his nobles remove their robes. They put on sackcloth and ashes. He declares seven days of fasting and repentance so that their city will not be destroyed. And so God sees all this and he says, Okay, I won't, you know, I, I take pity on you. Mm -hmm. I won't destroy your city. Well, that's not the end of the story. That's not the end oh of the story. Oh my God. What's Jonah going to do now? Jonah was very disappointed that he didn't get to see a city blow up. He did not get to see God destroy this city. In oh. fact, he pouts about it and gets very angry at God about it. Jonah sucks. And he says, I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted doesn't happen. Oh, so he got that ego. Mm -hmm. And so God says to him, is it right for you to be angry? And his answer was, yes, it is. And so he trots himself off to a hill on the east side of the city to watch to see if God will change his mind and destroy it like he said he was going to. As he's sitting there watching, waiting for God this, to destroy this, this city. This asshole wants thousands of people to die for his amusement? <laughs> so as he's sitting there, God has a plant grow and create shade over Jonah because mm -hmm. it's a very hot day and the sun is shining down on him mm -hmm. and so this big leaf of this big plant grows over him and gives him shade mm -hmm. he's like oh this is so lovely I can sit in the shade and watch this city get destroyed this is wonderful and then God sends a worm along uh -huh. to chew up the roots and chew up the stem and chew up the leaf and kill the plant mm -hmm. and so Jonah is oh Kill me now. Jonah is this a drama queen. The, the plant that was giving me shade is dead. What was Go me? find a normal tree to sit under. And so God asks 
is it right for you to be angry that the plant died? And Jonah cries, yes, angry enough to die. And so God's response, and this is the end of the story, is you feel sorry about the plant even though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Rabbit says Jonah is a white man 100%. And while that's not factually true because he was an Israelite, yeah, Jonah has white man energy. That is the truth. Oh my God, this has always amazed me about this story from the time I was a kid, how selfish and just... He just sucks a bag of dicks. Jonah yeah. sucks. <laughs> he gets angry because God goes back on his right because prophecy. because God's like actually they responded correctly to my to my doom and I will forgive them. That's right, and I'm going to spare their city. And Jonah's all like, "Oh no, you're not going to make me look bad." Uh huh. <laughs> and is all pissy about it. And is all like, just kill me now, kill me now. That such man did not deserve queen. to be a prophet. No. Clearly it went to his head. Such a drama queen. Wow. So, like I said, if anybody is the epitome of bad behavior in my book, it is Jonah. <laughs> yeah. Cheesy, crazy. That guy sucks. And if you want to see this done in a way that is incredibly creative, mm-hmm. You should watch Jonah, a VeggieTales movie <laughs> with the pirates who don't do anything. Yes. Yep. We are the pirates who don't, don't do, do anything. anything. We, we just stay around. Something right. Yeah. 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 It's been a while. Been a while. Um, yep. Anyway, so uh, not that I'd often tell you to go see a VeggieTales movie. Actually, fuck it. I'd probably tell you to see VeggieTales. <laughs> just don't listen to the Christian message yeah. in them. But VeggieTales is actually pretty fucking entertaining. It's very, it's yeah. very entertaining. That's how they get you. And even though Jonah is the movie that brought down VeggieTales, you know, as far as the company goes. Swan says, and I've never been to Boston in the fall. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jonah is a great, great film, uh, and it, it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. And Rhiannon Gray says, he's supposed to be a prophet? Yes. Yep. yep. Yeah. This is why he was supposed to go to Nineveh, to prophesy that they would be destroyed in 40 days. And that's why he's so pissed off, because his prophecy is not going to come true, because God changed his mind. Yeah, because... God, you know, was like he, they responded. Mm-hmm. And so he was impressed. And he right. felt sorry and they, for them. And hey, they, they went out like the full nine yards. Like everybody would sackcloth and ashes, seven days of fasting. And apparently it was the people that, that started the whole mm-hmm. thing. And then the king got wind of it. The king was like, hey, me too. Me too. Got his nobles to do it too. I also don't want to die. So yeah, they were a spiritual people, mm-hmm. you know, and they They responded. were like, hey, we don't know who your God is, but apparently he's going to wreck our shit, so we're sorry. Exactly, exactly. Personally, I think that shows what uh, what a great city Nineveh must mm-hmm. have been, what great people they must have been, even if by Hebrew standards they were, you know, evil and debauchery. And, I know, you know, I love how the start is like, the peoples of Nineveh are wicked and violent. And my yeah. thought was like, oh, Jonah don't want to go there because he doesn't want to get lynched. But he shows <laughs> up and they're instantly like, oh, we're so sorry, we'll fix it. No violence is threatened. <laughs> nope. He wasn't even arrested. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. Jonah. <laughs> Amazing. And the, what and an said, asshole. And I said the, the great fish. <laughs> this explains Jonah Hill a lot, mm-hmm. but go ahead. And I did, instead of saying whale, because usually people say it's Jonah uh, and the whale, whale. Yeah. because it doesn't specifically state what it is in the scripture other than a great fish. 
There you go. Could have been messy. Rabbit said Loch Ness monster on it vacation. Could, it could have been a species, a species of dinosaurs right. that yeah. doesn't even yeah. exist anymore. Mosasaurus. Yeah, knows, some yeah. some kind of swimmy that would be why creature that no longer oh, exists. Oh, that was Noah. A mosasaurus. Oh. It's, it's, it's another biblical animal. Yeah. Um, anyway, all right. That's my star, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> a big swimmy thing. A big swimmy thing. Hella big monkfish. It's just Chris Clary. Yeah, could have been anything. Could have been anything. It's a miracle. Anything can happen. Okay, so I'm going to do mine, and I promise to mispronounce a bunch of these names. <laughs> All right, have fun. Because, <laughs> dang it, some of them are easier than others. This one, not so much. All right, now tell why you're telling this story, too. Yeah. And oh, okay, and so I'm telling this story because Ode told me to. <laughs> what uh, uh, mythology or whatever? Norse. That's Norse. Yeah, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Yes. Swedish. Swedish, yes, which was part of the... Nordic. Mm-hmm. That sort of... Frontierlands. Zone. Right, yes. The story of Dag the Wise. Which is what one of our needs is named after. Right. King, uh... Digby. Digby's son, called Dag, mm-hmm. succeeded him and was so wise a man that he understood the language of birds. Mm-hmm. He had a sparrow which told him much news and flew to different countries. Once the sparrow flew to Rigatalan, to a farm called Varna where he flew into the peasant's cornfield and took his grain. The peasant came up, took a stone, and killed the sparrow. That's rude. King Dad was ill-pleased that the sparrow did not come home. And, as he, in a sacrifice of expiation, inquired after the sparrow. He got the answer that it was killed at Varna. Thereupon, he ordered a great army and went to Gotland. He came to Varna, he landed with his men and plundered, and the people fled away before him. King Dag returned to the, in the evening to his ships after having killed many people and taken many prisoners. As they were going across the river at a place called Skokens Fjord, which is the weapons fjord, <laughs> a laboring thrall came running up to the riverside and threw a hay fork into their troop. It stuck the king in the head so that he fell instantly from his horse and died. In those times, the chief who ravaged the country was called Graham, and that men at arms under him were Graham. What news is it that the king's men, flying eastward of through the glen, report that Dag the Brave, whose name is sounded far and wide by fame, that Dag, who knows so well to wield the battle axe in bloody field, where brave men meet, no more will head. The brave that mighty Dag is dead. Varna was wasted with the sword and vengeance taken for the bird. The little bird that used to bring news to the ear of the great king. Varna was ravaged and the strife was ended. When the monarch's life was ended too, the great Dag fell by the hay fork on the base of a thrall. That's from snoring. Yeah. Nice. All that for a bird. For a bird. But as we know, the bird... The bird. The, the bird, bird is a word. Bird. Bird. The bird. Sorry. Yeah. Um, the bird brought the word. Right, right. And then, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of confused why he killed the bird. So the peasant killed the bird because it was he in took his, his field, field. And took his stuff. Stealing his grain. But the bird was hungry. Yes, but so was the peasant. Oh, I guess. Actually, it used to be common practice for peasants because they, not necessarily in Norselands, but especially in England, they didn't have the right to hunt, to hunt deer and things like that. Right. And boar were too dangerous. So to get any kind of meat in their diet at all, because most of them couldn't afford to keep livestock, they would spread 
Um, oh, rain? No, they would spread a sticky resin oh. on tree branches. And when birds landed on it, they would get stuck. And then the peasants would go collect the and kill the songbirds and eat those because it was the only meat they could get their oh, diet. Oh, poor birds. I mean, I understand. <laughs> the peasants yeah, gotta right. eat. The peasants gotta eat. It's, it's still, the circle of life. That's true. So, <laughs> so rabbit says, how much grain could a sparrow really eat? Birds actually eat about three times their own weight a, a day. The, Flying is a resource-intensive activity. So the thing of they eat like a bird, mm -hmm. it's yeah. really a misnomer. Yeah, it's the opposite they, of that. It yeah. is quite the opposite. They actually eat a shit ton of mm -hmm. food. Yeah, so I eat bird-like. <laughs> Join our Tigle crew. Wow. Hey, Dictinus. We need some assistance here. Join our Tiger Crystal at Apothecary Teas. This shop produces fragrant, aesthetically beautiful teas that delight all the senses with handcrafted tea blends from white to red to green. This week, Ode is recommending Valkyrie, a Rubeus tea blend with marigold petals and almonds. Find them at apothecarytheastore.com or on Facebook at Apothecary Teas, LLC. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dictinus! Did you ever notice when he starts off and has a little trouble, his tone gets uh -huh. deeper? It sinks into the radio. Uh, yeah, I become more radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually somewhat of a requirement, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I guess it is my turn to tell a story. Mm -hmm. I believe so. Yeah, okay. I think that's where we're at now. Yes. Uh, I'm going to be telling the story of the Locus Senna. And I'm going to abridge it somewhat because it's very long. <laughs> um, but it's definite, it's unambiguously some bad behavior. So the gods all decide that they're going to throw a party at Aegir's place. Aegir is one of the gods of the sea. And there's a whole separate story ahead of the Locusena about how they get a cauldron big enough to make enough food for all the gods to come to this party at Aegir's like, Hall. Did Aegir know they were going to throw a party? Aegir knew they were going to throw a party, <laughs> but he was voluntold that they were going to oh, throw a party at his Voluntold. Yeah, so Aegir was voluntold they were going to do a party at his place. He was like, all right, I got to go get this big fancy special cauldron so I can make enough food for all of you. So that's another story. For all you heathens. Uh-huh, all y'all heathens. <laughs> so they get, you know, they get the party started and, and everybody starts showing up. So there are some servants of Aegir's who are welcoming everyone into the hall to this big feast. And one of them is Finnafeng. He's lavishing this extensive praise on the gods as they're coming into the hall. And, you know. So as not to be killed. Exactly. It. He's giving everybody all their, their dues and their, and their accolades. Oh. <laughs> you know, different kinds of dues. <laughs> <laughs> Is he giving gifts? He's not giving gifts except the gifts of words. Oh. Um, so, but he's, he's just being really like obsequious and giving everybody a lot of really lavish praise. Gotcha. So he was hailing Dictinus. Is what he was saying. hailing Dictinus and he was hailing all of them. And Loki, it's not clear why, possibly he didn't get his accolades, but Loki gets really pissed off about this and kills Fimafang. Rude. Yeah, just murders him right there in the hall. Wow. So that's kind he, of quick temper. He's starting this party in a bad mood. Yeah. And the other gods are like, dude, what the fuck? We liked all the chitter-chatter. Get out! So they eject Loki from the party. Of course they did. Mm -hmm. Never turns out well. No. No. <laughs> no. You'd think they would learn. Loki does them. not like to be excluded. No, yeah. So they throw, they throw Loki out of the party. And things go okay for a little while. You know, they're having their feasts and things are going all right. And then Loki comes back. Of course. Right? And the servant who has replaced Fimafeng at the door is like, I don't think they want you in there. I, I remember when they threw you out. I don't think they're going to like if you come in again. 
And Loki's like, do I look like I care? And also, I still have a knife. And the other serpent is like, all right, sir, come right in. Yeah, very <laughs> tough. So Loki comes Great Loki. Great Loki. Please enter and enjoy. So Loki comes back into the party. He does not slink in in any way. He comes in and makes a big pronouncement like, hey, hail all y'all bitches, except Bragi. I'm going to specifically exclude Bragi from my, my hails here. Everybody else, hail Bragi, fuck off. Hey, Bragi's a good meme. <laughs> <laughs> Rock is a mixed drink, very smooth and delicious. <laughs> He's also the god of poetry. So Rocky's like, hey, Loki, why did you specifically exclude me and no one else from your hills? And Loki's like, because you're a fucking coward who's going to sit on the bench and not do anything about it. Ooh, them's fighting words. Uh-huh, exactly. And Rocky's like, them's fighting words. But this isn't my house, it's Aegir's house. So in honor of this party, I'm going to sit here on this bench and not do anything about it. <laughs> and Loki's like, see, that's exactly what I said. Uh, and Froggy's like, well, if we were in Asgard, I would totally kick your ass. And you know what? Let's take this outside and I'll kick your ass right outside eight years old. And then I'll come back in and sit on this bench some more. And his wife, Idun, is like, Froggy, chill the fuck out. It's just Loki. You know he's like this. Drink your meat and be quiet. <laughs> and Loki's like, Idun, you've drawn my attention. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm going to tell all those assembled here, just remind them that uh, you don't exactly have a moral high ground since you had sex with the guy who killed your brother. <gasps> Which is not a popular thing to say about someone. No. <laughs> Really? Uh-huh. Oh, and we okay. don't actually know anything about that story. If, if that was one of the myths, that one's lost to time. So this lost is the <laughs> this is the only thing we hear about that. There's an implication there. Uh-huh. So so there are some questions like, was that Bragi? Was that someone else? Who who killed Edun's brother? Who was Edun's brother to begin with? But we don't know. So after Loki snaps back at Edun, Gefjun, who is a goddess we hear about here, all, this is the only place we hear about her in the poetic Edda. She does show up in the prose Edda. But so Gefjan is like, everybody just ignore him. Loki's crazy. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. He's delusional. You can like literally just pretend he's not here. And Loki's like, Gefjan is a prostitute who had sex with a boy who gave her a necklace. Wow. So I don't want to hear it. He is just being Mr. He's, Tell All. Mm -hmm. He's not in the mood. He's on fire. He's not in the mood for any of this. That could be the reason she's only in this particular story. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> she so, slinked back home and didn't do anything. Didn't do anything after this. Like, well, fine, I'll take my Jeez, all right, I'll, I'll take, take my, my necklace and go, and go home. <laughs> so at this point, Odin, who was mentioned earlier, so when, when Loki came back in and was like, hey, everybody, some of the gods were like, you can't be here. And he was like, actually, I think you'll find that Odin and I are blood brothers, and that Odin took an oath ages and ages ago that he wouldn't drink if I wasn't present. So unless you want to kick Odin out, you have to let me in. And Odin was like, actually, that is factually accurate. So, yeah. and I don't want to leave. So let him in. <laughs> so at this point, now that Loki's starting shit, Odin is like, all right, I guess this is my responsibility as both the head god and, and, blood brother. and the blood brother of the guy causing problems. So I guess I should deal with this. So Odin, seeing this, is like, all right, all right, all right. 
Loki doesn't want to be placated and he doesn't want to be ignored. He's in a flighting mood. So we'll flight. <laughs> Which, by the way, we're going to start at Valhalla. Yes. And, and a flight, flighting, is uh, basically a, an exchange of insults to determine who can insult the other the most creatively and best. So Odin starts strong and is like, Loki, I don't want to hear any more shit from your mouth because you spent eight years on Earth as a milkmaid and I know for a fact you bore children at that time. And his exact words are, now that, me think, betokens a base nature. Ooh. So he called him basic bitch. Uh -huh. <laughs> nice. Whoa. <laughs> to which Loki responds, Odin, shut the fuck up. You cross-dressed as a seeress and went around doing secret sex magic fortune telling to mortals for years. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> now that, methinks, betokens a base nature. Literally quotes him back to himself. So they have a, a, a little exchange of insults for a bit, at which point Frigga, Odin's wife, essentially says, both of you stop bringing up all the time you spent as women. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows you did it. Stop talking about it. It's not appropriate for polite conversation. <laughs> to which Loki, of course, responds, Frigga, if we're going to be talking about sexual exploits, uh -oh. you really should tell everyone that you had sex with both of Odin's brothers while he was gone that one time. Uh-oh. Which we do have some attestation for. We do have some attestation for that. That is very true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To which Frigga shuts down and Freya says, Bitch, she knows everything. Shut up. Right? <laughs> Freya's basically like, Loki, that's not the person you want to be insulting right now. Mm -hmm. That woman knows everything. To which Loki, of course, says, Freya, you've had sex with everyone here, including your brother, Freya. She should be like, bitch, I'm the goddess of love. I'm going to have sex with whoever I'm damn well please, including my brother. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Njord, who is Freya and Freya's father, returns with, you know, I know ladies enjoy men, but what excuse does Loki have for enjoying men? <laughs> to which Loki responds, incest runs in the family, Njord. Your children, who had sex with each other, were the result of you having sex with your sister. So again, I don't think we should be talking about sexual deviancies here. This is a lot of people accusing each other of sexual deviance. Actually, Basically. no, it's just Loki accusing everybody of sexual deviance. To be fair, they're accusing him too. Right, yeah, yeah. It's a back and forth. It's a back and forth exchange yep. of, of stuff mm -hmm. going on here. So uh, they're all saying, shut your mouth, this is why. And he's like, but you've done no better than I. That's right. You got no moral high ground here. Mm -hmm. That's basically his entire argument through all this. Is everyone's telling him to shut up, and he's just like, "How about everybody just sit down with their meat and shut the fuck up? Have, have a quiet party. Have a quiet party." So Tyr, who's generally speaking a nice guy, but who does have some complicated beef with Loki over a whole thing with a wolf, is like, "You know, I like that Freyr kid. He's all right. I don't, I don't care if his dad had sex with his sister to have Freyr. I like that Freyr kid. He's fine." <laughs> who said that? Tyr. Nice. Tyr's like, I don't care where he came from. You know, he's nice. He's nice to his, his wife and you don't make anybody cry. I like him. <laughs> oh, and I like what Murata says. They are not great about the sex positivity. No. So Tyr basically just says, I like Freyr. He's nice. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't actually address Loki directly. It's just like, Freyr's a good kid. Freyr's a good kid. Uh, and Loki has some pre-existing animosity with Tyr over the whole thing with his son Fenrisul for getting tied up forever by Tyr. And uh, essentially tells Loki's him... Son. Loki's son. Yeah. Uh, and essentially tells Tyr both 
that uh, Tyr's son is actually Loki's son, and <laughs> that uh, he got his hand bit off for nothing. Because eventually, Loki's kid's gonna break out, so mm -hmm. that was a dumb move. Loki's stirring up some shit. Mm -hmm. And this is where the Ragnarok references start really stacking up. So that's the first one, is where Tyr jumps in with an innocuous comment, <laughs> and Loki's like, oh yeah, well, you, you didn't accomplish anything in the long term. Mm -hmm. My kid is going to get out. To which Frere, who just got defended by Tyr and is presumably feeling like he owes something here, right, right. is like, we will tie you up just like we tied Fenris Ulfur up. So... <laughs> that's not yeah. much of a burn, though. No. No, no it's a threat. It's yeah. a threat. Uh, and it's a reference to the specific thing Loki mm -hmm. is pissed about. So... Mm -hmm. Um, and there's actually a theory that part of the reason Loki is in such a bad mood here, because they bring up Fenris Sulfur a lot mm. during this section, is because that had happened recently. To his child. Mm -hmm. So Loki's response to Freyr is, you bought your wife literally by selling your sword to your servant. Which means when all my boys from Muspelheim come to do a war, you're just going to fucking die. Because you're not going to have anything to fight with. Fair point which is the most direct reference to Ragnarok we're going to get. Heimdall, at this point, tries un makes another attempt, uh, much like Gefjon did, of just saying, just ignore him, he's drunk. He's just had a lot of mead, and he's feeling feisty, just ignore him. Like Swan says, it's a drunk soap opera. It's a drunk soap opera, yeah. So, so Heimdall's telling everybody to chill and just ignore just him. And the most insulting thing Loki can say about Heimdall is, no one respects you because you're just a guard. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is hilarious because on everyone else he has just like pages of dirt but Heimdall who Loki and Heimdall actually kill each other at Ragnarok Heimdall all he has on him is well you're just the door guard so no one respects you that means Heimdall was a person of great character mm -hmm, yeah Heimdall was highly esteemed highly esteemed yeah could not think of a darn thing to, couldn't, couldn't think of a good insult to yeah. pull him down so Scotty, again, threatens, uh, Scotty follows up uh, from this uh, and threatens to tie him up like Fenris Sulfur again, mm -hmm. um, and specifically invokes tying him up with the entrails of his children. <gasps> Ooh, that uh -huh. is rough. Uh, and it's kind of gross. Yeah. And Scotty and Loki already have a contentious relationship. Loki, in a roundabout way, got her father killed. Mm. Um, and then they semi-made up? When Scotty came to get married to Njord, and Loki had to make her laugh by tying his balls to a goat. Yeah. <laughs> and she did indeed laugh. And yeah. they were like, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but here, Loki says, Scotty, I also had sex with you. I mean, if we're going to lay out our sins, I think we should just lay that on the table for everyone to know. Just, okay. Sif, at this point, has been laying low. Because uh -huh. her husband, Thor, is not at this party. Right. So Sif has been staying in the background. What's he off doing? It's not clear. He just hasn't Florian shown up things. yet. Sort of things, yeah. Um, so Sif has been sort of staying in the background, trying not to draw attention to herself and listening to the gossip about everyone else. Right. So at this point, Sif pours a mead, brings it to Loki, and is like, but we're cool, right? Like, there's nothing sketch about wait, wait. me. I'm great, right? And Loki's like, Sif, literally, I also had sex with you. <laughs> I don't know why you thought I would keep that secret. Loki gets around. Uh-huh, yes, he absolutely does. 
so yeah, so I don't know why Sif thought that wouldn't uh, be the immediate response, but she didn't for some reason. And then this is the point, of course, right after Sif has been insulted, this is the point at which Thor shows up. Uh-oh. Thor gets back from whatever he was doing, shows up late to the party, and is immediately, literally without hearing a single thing, as soon as he comes in the door and sees Loki is present, immediately is pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> and starts straight off with, I'm going to kill you with my hammer. I'm going to hit you in the head with my hammer repeatedly until your head comes off of your body and you're dead. <laughs> it's there's, no, there's no ambiguity. No, no ambiguity. That. Just no. no vague threats about future problems. Just I'm going to smash your head with my hammer unless you leave. To which Loki's like, mm, I do actually believe you will do that, and I don't want to die. So, parting shot, you're going to let your dad die in Ragnarok and my kid's going to eat him. Bye! <laughs> and power walks backwards out of the hall because Thor is standing there with his hammer ready to do a murder. But the gods are not satisfied with this resolution. They just, the mood has been ruined. Mm. They can't get back to their party atmosphere. They all now know way more about each other's sex lives than they wanted to. And a hell of a lot more of them had sex with Loki than that any of any them, of them want wanted to admit. To admit. Yep. So at that point, they decide, you know all that shit Scotty and Frere were saying about tying him to a rock forever? I think we do that. With entrails? With entrails. They're like, look, I think that's a good plan, actually. He cannot interrupt any more parties if he's tied to a rock. So they, they do? so they all get together and they go chasing after Loki, who has realized that maybe he should make himself scarce and he's doing a little transformation gauntlet of like, he's a bird, he's a salmon, he's this and that. <laughs> um, but eventually, the gods catch him. Uh, they catch him as a fish in a fishing net, which he had invented. <laughs> Unfortunately, he invented his own uh, tool his of own, capture. His own doom. Mm -hmm. um, but they catch him, and they force him to transform back into a god, uh, to a human-shaped person. And they transform one of his children, Vali, who was one of his Aesir children with his Aesir wife, Sigyn, mm -hmm. into a wolf. And they set Vali on Narfi, his other Aesir child with his Aesir wife, Sigyn. And Vali tears Narfi apart. And they take Rough. Narfi. Yes. Uh, and then Vali runs off and is never heard from again. Because he's been transformed into a wolf. Right. Uh, and they take Narfi's entrails and they use those to tie Loki to a rock in a cave. That's so rude. Yes. And Loki was in, was in a bad mood at the start of this and he's in a worse oh, mood at the end yeah. So they tie him to a rock in a cave, and they hang a poisonous serpent over him, over his head, so that it will drip venom into his eyes for the rest of time. And the uh, only way to prevent that is that Sigyn stands holding a bowl over his face to catch the venom for as long until the bowl fills up to the top, and then she has to go empty the venom, and in those intervals, he gets he the venom, gets venom in, the in the face. Yep. Wow, that's right. And that's where Loki is bound until Ragnarok, when he and Fenris Sulfur both escape their binds and uh, go do some wars. Did they not consider the fact that Loki had already told them that he was going, you know, his son. He explicitly says multiple explicitly times said, in this, in this flight. My son is going to kill you. Uh -huh. Or I'm going to do the thing uh -huh. and kill you. And yet... You're going to die in this way. You're going to die in that way. And yet they do the very thing that would just fuel the rage mm -hmm. so that he makes sure these outcomes absolutely, absolutely, come, to absolutely pass. Yeah. come to pass. Yeah. There, there's that some, seems very short-sighted. 
There are some really, <laughs> yeah, there are some really interesting sort of prophetic elements here. Yeah. In this, uh, in this flighting. So superficially, it's just like an exchange of insults. Right. Very personal. Right. Where they, where they yell at each other a lot mm. for an unclear reason. Because like I said, it's not super clear why Loki's in such a bad mood at the beginning. It's sort of the most reasonable expectation because they bring Fenris Ulfur up multiple times and that that had happened recently and Loki was still sour about it. But it's not super clear what what set this off. He was just in a mood. He was just in a bad mood at the very very start of the story. Interesting. And it all just goes downhill from there. From there. That's very so bad behavior on multiple part parts on here. I think many all of them, basically, uh-huh. yeah. even the yeah. ones who are trying to be chill. <laughs> yeah, even know? even Sif, who's like, you don't have anything bad to say about me, right? <laughs> well, I'm totally innocent and blameless. <laughs> Join our tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of wonderful body tub. These soaks and scrubs, inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find rollerball fragrances and hair oils. With dozens of options available, you'll be sure to find something you like in the Wonderful Body Coat Collection. This week, Ode is recommending Brigid, the ritual bath salt, with scents of lavender, lemon, violet, cashmere, and musk. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash wonderfulbodyco. And remember to use the code 3PAAC30 for 30% off your order. That was almost like, kind of like easy listening. That's right what I was going to say. That, it's like well, it's, super you mellow. Relax with mm-hmm. the salts of Wonderful Body Co. I thought yeah. it should sound relaxing. You, that, well, you really embraced the vibe it. there. It was. <laughs> What is that? MSMR or whatever that is? ASMR. ASMR. SSMR is an entirely different thing. It's autonomous sensory meridian response. Ah. ASMR. ASMR. Hail Dictus. Yes, definitely Hail Dictus. And Swan says, ooh, car was gearing up for this one. Well done. Nope, I made it up just as I started. Hey, hey, hey. It was off the cuff and totally excellent. Right. And said, also, I don't know much about the Norse gods and all the myths and stuff, but I think I'm on Loki's side with the whole fuck these guys, burn the world down thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a, yeah. It was an extreme response. It was an extreme <laughs> response. Yeah. yeah. Snorri tries to fix it in the prose edda. So this is the poetic edda, which is fragmentary stories that are from much earlier, but they're all from different time periods, just sort of collated. Um, but we know that all of them are from pre-snoring. So Snorri Sterlinson wrote the prose edda and clearly had access to some of these sources and some other sources that we don't have anymore. That he could add. That, that he was compiling from when he was creating the prose edda. So Snorri tries to fix this disproportionate response by moving things around and putting the um, the binding of Loki right after and in response to the death of Baldur. Okay. So he tries to fix it by reorganizing some things. So that, like, the response seems more proportionate. And I wonder if that's actually the way it actually happened. Because these are just, you know... Yeah, the, the fragments, sh- fragments of the, of stories, of the poetic yeah. edda, yeah. So it's yeah. hard to say yeah. how it was originally devised. And it may have been told in different ways by different people at different times, because these were oral traditions. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but Gwen has another story. I, I do. I don't know if it really fits in the mold of, like, bad behavior the way Jonah does. 
but it does reflect when you don't listen to your parent and there are consequences. And there are tragic consequences as a result. All right. <laughs> is this okay. pointed? Did you, I was going to say, have you I been do doing something? something? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So, Daedalus was a master craftsman. In fact, he is the one who designed the labyrinth that was used to imprison the Minotaur for King Minos of Crete near his palace at Gnosis. But Daedalus then got in trouble with King Minos because he gave Minos's daughter Ariadne a ball of string so that she could help Theseus, who was an enemy of Minos, to survive the labyrinth, kill the Minotaur, and be able to escape. So, you know, he went in there holding his string and he used it to find his way back out. Well, then King Minos imprisoned Daedalus. It's, it's not Daedalus's fault that the that the Minotaur died, like. But no, it wasn't the Minotaur that he that King Minos was upset about. It was the fact that he helped Ariadne. Well, yeah, but with strength, so I mean. I know, but it was the the whole point was Ariadne and you know wanted to help these Theseus, I'm right. saying there was probably a love thing mm -hmm. there, I forget, but uh, there's a vibe. Yeah, there's a vibe there. And but King Minos, he really sent him in there mm -hmm. to die. Yeah. He was trying to set him an impossible task. Yeah. So that even if he killed the Minotaur, he wouldn't be able to get out. But then Daedalus interfered, and so I Theseus, still think Ariadne could have thought a string on her own. Probably. <laughs> it was something that Daedalus did to interfere with King Minos's will. So Minus, you know, he, right. he, punishes, put, he punishes him. Well, of course, Daedalus eventually makes his way out and realizes they he needs to get off this fucking island. Mm -hmm. Can't say uh, here. Get anymore. away from King Minos. So he fashions himself, because he has a son named Icarus, he fashions himself uh, for himself and his son a, a pair of wings. Mm -hmm. And they are made of wax and feathers. Now, we don't know the mechanism for how these worked, but apparently when he put them on himself and his son, and when they, you know, they flapped their arms, they caught the breeze, and they were able to fly with these things. Now, before they, they took off on their journey to escape from Crete, Douglas said to Icarus, remember these important things. These instructions. These instructions. The user manual. The user manual. Do not fly up too high or the, the heat from the sun will melt the wax. Do not fly too low or you could get caught up in, you know, um, some surf or some draft and in a draft or something and you could crash into the ocean. So just follow my path. Mm -hmm. Follow me. Just follow right behind me and we'll get to safety. They've got their wings on and they're up there. They're flying. But... Icarus gets so excited mm -hmm. about flying. I mean, my God. Admittedly. And exciting, yeah. And it, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ, his dad made <laughs> A one-of-a-kind event. That actually fucking worked when he flapped his arms. Mm -hmm. So yeah. one has to wonder if Daedalus had a little bit of magic or something. Yeah. Or was maybe a demigod or was, something. Yeah, it was maybe a demigod. Was he, he a child of Hephaestus or something? Right? Because these things actually allowed them to fly. Icarus got really giddy and really excited and so he started flapping higher and going higher and going higher. And he was not paying attention and did not realize that as he was flying higher and higher, he was getting away from his father and not able to, to follow him, obviously. But also he was getting closer to the sun. And the heat from the sun was very slowly melting the wax 
and it was dripping down and you know evaporating away and i'm probably losing feathers losing feathers and before he even realized what had happened he was starting to plummet mm-hmm. he, and so he was flapping his arms you know harder and harder. harder and harder trying to you know to continue to follow his father but unfortunately he crashes into the sea and he drowns well of course daedalus um was overcome with grief mm-hmm. for for this because his his son did not follow his instructions and so what he did was he he named the nearest island to where he, he mm-hmm. fell Arcaria mm-hmm. and he named the sea where he drowned the Acarians. And so it was a tale of don't ignore your father's instructions uh-huh. and don't fly too damn don't high. fly too damn close to the sun because <laughs> you may crash and burn. Restrain your ambitions. That's right. Or your excitement. Your I guess. excitement. Yeah. It's really because I mean, after all, let's be honest. Like I said, he he made these cool, cool wings. Brianna <laughs> Gray says an alternate version says he saw Apollo pulling the sun chariot, and that's why he went up. If so, the Necros was just too gay to function. Rest in right? peace, my man just wanted some sun dick. <laughs> right? I mean, Apollo was a pretty boy. Uh-huh. Reportedly, yes. Reportedly. Very handsome. Very, very handsome. Very attractive. So who can blame Icarus mm-hmm. for wanting to get close to that? Yep. And I mean, many of the gods were known to take boy toys. So maybe he was just hoping if he got close enough, even if the wings right. melted, suddenly, he'd get, you know. <laughs> suddenly he forgot all about dad, his uh-huh. instructions of <laughs> following and escaping, and yeah, fell to his death. Yep. Very tragic. Very tragic. So it's a little bad behavior. Right. It's, um, it's bad behavior on King Minus's for sure. He was, yes. he was being a complete dick, you know. Yes. To the Minotaur that was his... Well, his wife's child. Yeah, I think so. Who was cursed. Uh-huh. And uh, to Ariadne, who was his daughter, uh-huh. who I believe was in love with Theseus and mm-hmm. wanted to marry him. To all and, the people who've been sacrificed Theseus. to the Minotaur before that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's some very bad yeah. behavior on Minos's Minus part. Minos is definitely an mm-hmm. asshole. And honestly, Daedalus seems like he was a pretty good dude. You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. He was trying to help Helpful. people. He was creating cool shit. Maybe he was a little bit of a demigod because the wings actually worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you no, know? I'm just, seriously. I'm like, does he have Hephaestus somewhere in his I family know. life? I should look that up. I never bothered to look that up. So, but yeah. So anyway, there you go. All right. Listen to your parents. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pointed. <laughs> Unless your parent is Loki. Yes. If you're a grandma. Well, he seems to be a pretty good dad. Loki does great to his kids. It's just yeah. that the consequences of Loki's actions, for some reason, strike his children instead yes. of him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is so unfair. Yeah. Yep. Is that it? Yep. I think so. Done. 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 Yeah. That's it done. for me. Yep. Right. Well, how about this? Listen to your parent if he's telling you not to fly too high. Not to fly to your death. <laughs> not to fly to your death when you're wearing a pair of wax wings. Uh-huh. How's that? If he gives you the user manual for these highly experimental piece of technology he's just invented, <laughs> perhaps listen. Listen to the highly <laughs> experimental roadmap. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes, now we're done. All right. I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I asked a minute ago and you said yes, and then you and all talked for another yeah, yeah. five minutes. <laughs> yes, well, because sometimes, of things. Sometimes we do that. We had to, we had to you know, clarify. Clarifiers were required. Because sometimes you don't want to listen to your parents because they're dicks. (laughs) Look us up on Google.